What's the difference between randomness and chaos? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, we're going to get into some design esoterica and talk about a delightful way to bring glorious uncertainty into a game without luck. Welcome back. My very lucky co-hosts this week are David Kingsmill. Hello. And Scott Moyle. Hi. So, uh, lots of people hate luck in games, apparently. This is actually a thing. Is it ever like that for you? That's an, I, I've been thinking about this ever since you posited this as the subject, and I honestly don't think it ever has been. I think I could, there are games that involve too much luck, but equally I think there are games that involve too much determinism, and I think mm-hmm. I, I prefer something that has a blend of the two. For my part, and I don't think I've ever—I don't think I've ever hated luck, but I think there have been a couple of things where it's just okay. There's uh, Boss Monsters, a game that comes to mind actually, where what you draw from the deck seems to me to be the game, okay. and I don't like that because of the lack of control I have over it. Sure, something like Flux. Yeah, Flux. I actually mind less because it's completely nuts, <laughs> and I feel like that—that that level of complete insanity in a game is. Uh, Kind of forgives it. For it me. delivers on its premise. Yeah, Flux is very honest about what it is. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about luck in games, Scott? I, I the preface to this is that I love funny custom dice. I will. <laughs> I will buy basically. I mean, you and I sat at this table and opened a hundred bucks each of uh, Dice Masters the day it came out because <laughs> because dice with funny things on their faces make me feel things in my cold dead heart. Agreed. <laughs> so. So those are a way you get luck and stuff. Um, I like I like chance in games when it's either um, used as a thing you can mitigate, like in Alien Frontiers, mm-hmm. right, where we've got some dice, but the system you will build will let you care less about what they roll. Yeah, you're going to use your alien artifacts to modify the dice to, results to make them what you want them to be. Right, and get a bigger fleet so you don't have to worry about yeah. the you know all of that. So the second place I like to see randomness show up in a game is in the format of chucking so many dice around that it averages out. Right, the right? law of large numbers. Exactly. Over the course of a game of Catan, you know about how often the robber's going to happen and about how often that 2 or 12 are never going to pay out. <laughs> um, or Warhammer 40,000, the thing that got me into games as I know them now uh, when I was 12 or 13 years old involves throwing mighty fistfuls of tiny D6s around the table <laughs> and... You know, you know. Assuming you've played the benefit of our audience, a D six is nerd speak for six sided dice. Six sided dice, yes. Um, The uh, yeah, you're just throwing so many of them over the course of the game that you may have some big hits when you didn't expect them, or some cataclysmic misses when you really needed them to work out. But generally speaking, things will work out in a more or less reliable sort of way. I had a more tempestuous relationship with luck. I, uh, being the typical frustrated nerd, I was—I uh, I felt incensed by the presence of luck in games because it meant that they weren't fair. It wasn't a proper meritocracy the way things should be. And, <laughs> and I had no problem with losing to someone who was a more skilled player than myself, but losing to a plastic polyhedron rolling across the table was unconscionable and I couldn't deal with it. Uh, you, I, you take I, games really seriously. I, 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 was a very, very, <laughs> I was a very stuck-up kid. Uh, in the meanwhile, though, uh, do you ever get people who are <clears throat> perhaps a little bit uptight like myself uh, asking for games that where there's not going to be much luck going on? Actually, the last time anybody said anything about it, they said they wanted exactly the opposite. Mm. They said, give me dice games with lots of chance, and things like Can't Stop Vegas and Strike came off the wall in a flash for me to recommend to them. But I'm not sure... 
I've never had anyone ask for something with no luck in it. L- less luck, yes, but never, no- never anything without it. I will sometimes see people who have just come off a game where they feel like they've lost because the dice boned them. <laughs> um, and it's it's that really competitive table that we see where, where they really, everyone there is out to win and they want to crush some face. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, those tables, after somebody has uh, has lost a game because of you know it all came down to one die roll or whatever, the uh, the thing I get will often be okay. The next game needs to have no luck in it so that I can beat them with just what you were saying with yeah. my own skills and awesomeness, and they don't get to win because the dice like them. Um, it, but it comes out of it always comes out of an intense desire to be competitive. And uh, the, the, we, we know the problem with this, of course, is that if you have a game with no luck in it, then the most skilled player always wins. Meritocratic games, the big problem I have with uh, those is the problem of here's a gamer bringing his friends into the hobby. Mm-hmm. And if they're playing a meritocratic game and they're not metering it to the point where they are playing at the level of their friends, they will annihilate them every single time. Which is going to give a wonderful impression to everyone about how much fun games are. Exactly. And much as they were wonderful people, the gaming group that I got into Warhammer with, uh, I couldn't afford to build up the kind of scale of armies that they were building. Uh, And so they would look at the army that I had, which was my thousand points, which was the game size we would play to, and then they would pick an army that would destroy it. Nice. And I never even really... I, I used to create crazy armies that had no guns in them. They were entirely close combat. And then my guys would never actually get into close combat because they'd be <laughs> dead before they got there. Uh, and I feel like that's something that can happen in board games as well if you go with something that is too skill-based. Uh, somebody who knows the game will destroy someone who doesn't. So, what we're going to talk about this week is a way of introducing uncertainty into the outcome of a game that does not involve random chance. It's called Chaos. So game designers have a term, chaos, which they use to refer to what happens when you have a bunch of deterministic choices, a bunch of choices made by several people all bouncing off each other in such a way that the result might as well be random. Right. So something like uh, uh, Snakes and Ladders, for example, is random. Candyland is random. Yahtzee is random. Mm -hmm. But uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors... That's chaos. Broken telephone. When you don't know what's going to come to the other side, that's chaos. Skull. Yep. Scattergories, uh, where all people are saying words, and maybe the most common word is the one to go with because nobody else is going to go with that one. That's chaos. Um, Let's take a closer look at chaos and a few games that use it. You guys ever played Six Nymphed? I haven't. I need to, but it's not crossed my table yet. I have not. For many years, this is basically the game that they played in Europe instead of Uno. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's uh, What it comes down to is this. You've got uh, four rows of cards in the middle of the table, and all these cards have numbers on them. That's just, that's just numbers. Uh, they also have a number of pips on them. Those are points. You're trying not to get those. Everybody picks a card from their hand, holds it face down the table. One, two, three, we all reveal. The lowest card moves into place first, and then the next one after that, and so on. And everything's fine just as long as each of these rows has only five cards or less in it. If your card becomes the sixth card in a row, congratulations, you just get to add the other five cards to your score pile. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, because of the fact that you don't know what the other players are going to pick, I mean, everything's deterministic in this game, except your initial hand of cards. You can even get rid of that by drafting them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what kind of hardcore monster you have to play with for that to be a thing. <laughs> but, um, Let's also draft our starting Uno hands while you're sure, at it. Sure, why not? <laughs> Um, but the, the outcome 
is, 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 is deterministic. Everybody's making these choices. But because of the fact that you're playing with a bunch of people who are all making these choices at once, it might as well be random. Now, if you play it with strategic-minded people, then yeah, it's, you can sort of outthink and outplay them. But all it takes is one person to just say, whatever, I'm just going to play that, to cause everybody's plans to kind of go up in smoke. That's, that's chaos kind of uh, in, a, in a nutshell. What, what are some chaotic games that you guys like? There's the game I always choose to call Chaos in a Box, which is Cult Express, right. um, which yeah, actually I feel has randomness and chaos because you have the draw of a card, and the draw of a card is an exceptionally good way of introducing randomness into a game, simply because the way you shuffle that deck, you've got that set layout. But... Although, in Cult Express, randomness is quite low because it is. you have, almost, I think at the start of the game, you have more than half your cards in hand yes, to you're, begin Yes, you're with. playing with a deck of 10 cards and you draw 6. So. Um, but it's entirely possible. I saw somebody once draw uh, no move cards. So they drew, <laughs> there are four move cards in that deck and they Those drew are the four everything they else. <laughs> um, which simply meant that they could not move and they had to rely on, and they stole all the money that was in that carriage, but ended up shooting empty air because people were in the carriage with them. And by the time they got around to punching, those people had run away. <laughs> so they had a lot of money and nothing else. Um, but that card draw, it is an element of randomness, albeit a very low one. Uh, but then you have the chaos of the order that those cards go down in, especially when the train is in a tunnel and you're playing those cards face down. So you don't know what anybody it's else crazy. is playing. They don't know what you're playing. Yeah, and for the benefit of those that haven't played that yet, you're everybody. You're going around the table, and each time it's your go, you place either one or two cards into a stack, and it's all the same stack. And nothing happens until you flip that stack over at the end of the round and start playing it out. But some cards are face down. Some people, there's one character who can play an extra card face down because that's just what he does. Sometimes you suddenly go backwards around the table. There's all kinds of crazy things. And so you do have that thing if you've decided to do something, but the person you were going to do it to isn't there anymore. It sort of puts one in mind of uh, perhaps the most chaotic game of all time, Robo Rally. Right. Mm. When I was teaching uh, Colt Express the other day, one of the people, about halfway through the teach, perked up and went, wait, this is Cowboy Robo Rally, and I immediately <laughs> proposed marriage to that individual. Um, <laughs> that part of the story is not true. But yeah, Robo Rally was, uh, was one of the first games I got into when I was 12 or 13. Um, the... Uh, can you tell our audience a bit about it? Oh, Robo Rally, yeah. So uh, we're in a robot factory, and the robot AIs that run the factory have uh, got bored with producing stuff and have decided to make their worker robots fight instead. Or, or more accurately, race. They're racing waypoints along a map. And, uh, but realistically, this works out to kind of a demolition derby. Yes, everybody's got lasers, and there are lots of you know industrial crushy stompers on the map and some pits you can push each other into and things. Um the uh, damage does happen and really messes up your ability to play your turn. Uh, everybody programs a set of, I believe it's five cards face down, um, simultaneously, unable to see what anyone else has done. And then we go through and card by card, based on the initiative order on the card, do those, everybody does their step one, and then everybody does their step two, and it might be drive a little, or turn, or back up some, or, you know, use a funny special piece of equipment. Um, your laser fires automatically at everything you happen to point at, so <laughs> you don't have to worry about lining up your shots like in Cult Express. If somebody winds up in your crosshairs, you will zap them. Uh, the robots can push each other, which, of course, if the first thing that happens to you in a turn is getting pushed one square sideways, and suddenly your whole program, the rest of is your programming you. is a disaster, <laughs> and you will be filled with regrets. And there's a there's a bit of that, of course, in Cult Express, which is if the first thing that happens to you is you get punched, yep, uh, or shot in if if someone's playing Django, yeah, um, or hit with the marshal and sent up to the roof, yeah, 
the uh, Colt Express really owes a lot of its DNA to Robo Rally, and I yeah. think is an improvement on the formula. Robo Rally can get very, very frustrating because you are committed to doing exactly what's on the card. Right. Whereas Colt Express, a move card can mean move in either direction. If you're on the roof, it can mean move, you know, any number of different spaces in different directions. You know, shoot doesn't mean shoot in a direction or at somebody specific. So I think that flexibility mm-hmm. helps a lot. So the results of these games feel random, even though they're mostly deterministic. Players can say, oh, if I'd made this choice instead of that choice, it would have gone differently, mm-hmm. and thus feel a little bit better about themselves, or consequently a little bit worse about themselves if those choices wound up resulting in uh, not any better than when the dice love the other players. Robo Rally can be a deeply frustrating experience. <laughs> I think the nice thing about these, though, is that they... Uh, I, I mean, Robo Rally I'm yet to play, although I, I know the concept and I've seen a game being played. Uh, but I feel, specifically with Colt Expresses, I feel satisfied whatever's happened. Mm. You know, I, my second piece of programming was to move from the roof of the train into the train car and the marshal's there, which means I move straight back up onto the roof and my entire turn is screwed up. But I can still do something. Failure is hilarious in these games. Yeah. Yes. Whereas what I do find a big problem is something like the Pathfinder Adventure card game, which I love for its premise and was thinking of trying to design something like until it came out. But if I just draw a load of crappy uh, standard shields, armor, and swords throughout the duration of that, I'm never going to get past level two of the campaign because that's an entirely random draw from a card deck that has left me no stronger than I was when I got to it, and I feel no sense of progression. Yeah, that's randomness instead of chaos. You feel feel more helpless in the face of randomness. And that's the boss monster problem I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas something like Colt Express, uh, and I certainly imagine Robo Rally, even if you're not achieving what you're wanting to, you're moving somewhere and doing something, and that's a progress counter. And I feel like as long as I feel like I've ticked down there, then I'm doing good. Now, some board game designers, like Bruno Faiduti, love chaos. It turns up in almost every game he designs. It's in Citadels, it's in Ink and Gold, Isla Dorada, Masquerade. Uh, but even relatively dry Euro game designers, like Stefan Fell, these are games that are all about the, uh, the, the skill. They wind up with chaos in their games if more than two people are playing. Like, Scott, that Shakespeare game that we were playing the other day. Oh, there was chaos. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> even though it was just the two of us. But it's like neither of us could foresee how all of these moving parts would wind up. Uh... Well, when the round starts with a blind bid for number of actions. Um, <laughs> blind, and I guess blind, blind bidding is, is actually a really very chaotic thing. That's, that's uh, for members of the audience. Blind bid is uh, sort of like an auction. But instead of, you know, I bid five, I bid six, I bid seven. Uh, each player makes one bid secretly and we all reveal at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you only get one shot at it and you don't know how hard the other players are going to go for something. I'm so bad at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tammany Hall, the crux of of the the thing in that game is elections uh in in uh, oldie timey gangs of New York style uh New York and you blind bid tokens that you just don't have that many of and they're gone no matter what even if you get nothing and it feels kind of like the captain in lifeboats. Yes, yes. And it's it's punishing. Oh my goodness, it's punishing. The other side of it being that you can tell somebody you're going all in and then put an empty hand out there, watch them go all in and overpay for something <laughs> they were going to win anyway. Um, tremendous fun. Oh, blind bidding. Oh, blind bidding. <laughs> well, the, the, uh, the, I kind of, this one of the things that I feel introduces an interesting concept into the luck randomness specifically for turn order in this case is, um, is in Outer Earth. Uh, which is a nice little local Toronto car game. Uh, And the very first thing you do in that is bid for turn order. But you simply bid by saying, yes, I'm still in the bid, or no, I'm out. And the last person in the bid 
gets the first choice and the second person who is still in gets the second choice and so on. But every time you stay in the bid, you pay a card away. And so your hand gets reduced as you're going down. And there's a thing where I feel like the luck element is reduced away. It's You've got the chaos of is the other person staying in there. But there's nothing randomness of, random about the bidding uh, because it is entirely do I want to lose another card or not. Mm. Um, which is the, And that's the kind of bid I like, whereas I feel that the, the problem with blind bidding is I'm appallingly bad at doing it. I'm a shocking power grid player because I inevitably end up overpaying for something that really isn't a particularly good power plant. <laughs> um, and that's not even a blind auction. No, that's that's just open bidding. I'm just bad at it <laughs> but i like that kind of that that's an example of where i like a lack of luck in my mm-hmm. games is it's just simply do i want to lose another card or not well then let's come back to our people who don't like luck then one last time when you're recommending a game to someone who doesn't like chance how can you know if they'll find chaos more acceptable than randomness because they'll see the luck coming but they often won't see the chaos coming mm-hmm. right i can say i can explain um king of tokyo as it's a wacky monster dice fest, and they'll love that or hate that when they see a mitt full of funny dice come out. But something like Cash and Guns, where the the chaos happens but doesn't feel like you're making your decision based on... I don't know, you're not, you're not making your decision based on what the other person stuck you with, or you're, you're not rolling a die and then getting stuck with... I feel like luck is something I have to warn people about, and chaos just isn't. Hmm. Mm. recommending a game i think game description comes into it a lot as well as i feel like i've actually slipped luck games onto tables who don't want luck on the simple grounds that they like the concept of what they're playing Mm. um can't stop is something that you will never give to a table that doesn't want a yahtzee dice mechanic in the sense or it's not even yahtzee in it's like a a, a risk management that's a better better description um but I can give you something like cash and guns, even if you want something more deterministic than that, because you're pointing a foam gun at somebody and telling them you're going to shoot them. And when that person's (laughs) your best mate that you want to screw over, you don't care that you have no control over the seven other people sitting at the table with you because it's funny. And that moment of do I bow out and oh, I bowed out and that was a click or no, you're not going to shoot me. Bang, you're shot in the face with a foam gun. Uh, it, It, it introduces a very different element to the game that mitigates the chaos that somebody who is a luck hater might otherwise say, mm, not sure. Are there players for whom even uh, a more deterministic chaos element is still too little control? These are the people for whom abstracts exist. Sure. Some... Yeah, chess is the you know, perfect example yeah. there. You want to take luck out of a game, you go for chess, you go for Go, you go for Abalone, anything like that where every single thing that's happening within the game is 100% visible in front of you. And sure, your opponent's thinking of strategy, but that's strategy. That's, there's nothing luck in that. I think the heavy Euro players and the serious abstract players are probably the only people who will not accept any luck at all. And even then, I think a great measure of your ability as a player in a game like that is your ability to roll with a weird punch. Agreed. Right? If you're building a machine that will do exactly the thing you think it did, it did I get it, but I, I don't really get why that's fun. I'm, I'm really <laughs> interested in seeing people manage bad things. I, I actually uh, beat three times in a row somebody who is a pretty good chess player. Uh, I'm a terrible, terrible chess player. I can't. I don't have the strategies. I don't know the openings, and I don't know the moves ahead. But I played to shut them down. 
If I saw them doing something, I went, what are you trying to do and how can I most mess it up? Sun Tzu's rules of war. It is of supreme importance to attack your opponent's strategy. It is. And that's all I was doing. I wasn't trying to win. But I kept stealing things because they didn't expect me to do that and weren't sure what to do with it. It's Um, weird how chaos uh, can still sneak in even in a perfect information mm -hmm. That'll do it for this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Scott, David, thanks for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thanks for listening. Game on. Game on.